Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics on Monday, August 23rd, which I don't know if people are considering this an exciting day in silver history, although I am, uh, of course, one of the reasons I'm joined by my friend Alex Langer of Sierra Madre Gold and Silver, who's going to give us some insight, hopefully, and a report from the front line on the supply side. And uh, Alex, great to have you here. And uh, it's been nice getting to know you over the past couple months and great to finally have you on the show. How are you today? Yeah, I'm really well, Chris. Thank you so much for inviting me on the show. Uh, I love watching uh, all the videos and updates. Uh, you've been a, a real big leader in the space, uh, especially you know helping educate people on the importance of silver and what's happening and what's going to happen. It's been great. And uh, thank you for all the work you do. It's awesome. Well, that's certainly kind of you to say that. It's it's funny, especially uh, as I'm seeing the calendar unfold here in 2021, really where you have a lot of events in 2011 that played out over that year when we had $50 silver. Um, and as we'll dig into today, I remember right around this time in August of 2011, you had the tea party, you had the debt ceiling, you had S&P downgrade them, you had even though silver hit 50 bucks in April and in April and came down, it got back up into the 40s and we will cover all of that great stuff. Although first, Alex, this must be a good sign you're on the show and we have silver even up 63 cents today. So I saw that's quite exciting. It's uh, about time, that's for sure. So I would say so. I mean, especially because as I watch this coverage of whatever is going on in Afghanistan, Almost there's there's something that seems reminiscent of what we were shown of the Iranian hostage crisis back in 1979, which I would put an ounce of silver on was actually a bigger impact than this narrative that the Hunt brothers were cornering the market. But I mean, we see wild things going on in the world today. And I guess where, where do you think we stand with everything? What are you seeing? Anything you'd like to share? Yeah, that's, there's just so much happening right now. And, you know, bringing it back to Afghanistan, what's happened before, um, there's just so much uncertainty. And usually with uncertainty, you have kind of these, you know, little inflections in the price of silver and gold where these things really start to rally. And it's just really coming, in my opinion, to a culmination point of, you know, so much, you know, money being printed and so much uncertainty. And, you know, people are going to start to go back. They really, really need to go back to kind of these hard assets in terms of silver and, and gold and, and things like that. And I think we're, we're, we're getting there and all the fear we see on TV and still a COVID thing continuing. It's, it's scary for people and people are looking for fallbacks and they're not going to, you know, just sit there and take it anymore. And one thing that's really changed, I would say from now compared to 10 years ago when, when we saw a nice big run in silver is people are more educated and there's more blogs, there's more paper, there's more information out there that people can really sit down and look and, and learn to see, you know, what's been happening, what is happening. And, and when that comes, there's just more eyes on it. People have access to the internet and TV and, and various sources. So when, you know, this next silver rally really happens, it's, it's not gonna be 50 bucks. It's, it's gonna be substantially higher and it's gonna be truly, truly exciting. We saw just a glimpse of it earlier this year with uh, kind of a little silver rally just below 30, $30 there. It wasn't very long ago. And that took nothing. That was, you know, 
what, six weeks and you know jumped up six, seven bucks. And uh, when it happens next time, now that everyone's watching it and everyone's kind of waiting for it, it's going to be, it's going to be huge. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, this week, next week or six months or a year and a half, you know, I don't really care, uh, but it's going to happen. And it's gonna be quite exciting when it does. Um, fortunately enough, you know, back in 2010, 2011, uh, I was, uh, you know, just finished being a broker, but we had taken a, a bunch of companies public including Endeavor Silver and Fortuna, and just to see the amount of interest uh, of these companies when, you know, silver started to creep up, it was, it was absolutely incredible, liquidity, and, and it was really a time for people to make generational wealth, which was pretty amazing, and, and that's why we do this, you know, it's about wealth creation, um, we're not just maintaining, we, we want to create wealth, and that's why I love being on the miner side as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me, and given that I mean, I get a lot of emails. I play around on Twitter probably far too much these days, but I noticed this theme even amongst some of the people that watch the show and are into silver. The volume on the, oh, the manipulation is never going to end chant is blaring. I'm not yeah. trying to mock anyone. I've been there and done it myself. And based on what you just said, that what happened in 2011 what do you think would happen? Let's say we break fit the, the silver price breaks. Uh, I mean, the silver, one ounce of silver probably always costs one ounce of silver, but the, the, the fraudulent dollar, hyperinflated dollar price, let's say by some unusual uh, set of circumstances, maybe the CFTC gets disbanded and doesn't have the ability to tamp down the price. What would happen if silver hits 75 or $100? Like, let's say we're a year from now. I mean, I know it's like, it's, because of that recency bias, it's hard for people to even accept that. But mathematically, it seems at least there's, let's say in some scenario that happens, what, what would the environment be like then? It'd be interesting. So you'd see such an inflow of capital coming into this market, um, especially on the miner side, or people just trying to get on to any physical limitations of silver. Uh, there'd be literally runs, I would think, on people trying to get inventory. But you would see kind of this sector changes where people would have, you know, and we saw it before capital held in T bills or whatever type of monetary instrument diving straight into you know silver and silver stocks and things like that anybody to really protect their wealth would have to move you'd see trillions and trillions of dollars literally coming from again other sectors into silver would you say perhaps somewhat similar maybe to what happened in early february when silver broke 30 dollars for a matter of a few hours and people bought so much silver that even the lbma wrote a report detailing how they were weeks away from running out. They used the phrase fears emerge. So I would imagine by the time you hit 75, you'd have something even bigger than that. Um, in fact, would you say that, I'm not saying this is happening, not legal financial advice, but when we look at Bitcoin, here it is, uh, you know, under uh, 100, about a hundred bucks back in 2013, let alone what it was before that. Aside, Actually, let me phrase it like this. Let's say we have two buckets. Either A, it stays manipulated until the eternity of time, which to me seems harder to believe given the same people who rig financial markets are the same ones who launch these wars and we see something happening. Sure. So we'll, leave it, we'll, we'll just call it scenario A, it gets rigged until eternity and 100 years from now, silver is still trading at 25 bucks. But let's say in scenario B that whatever it takes... <laughs> Let's say I, uh, you know, just uh, 
ponder around my silver cave and come up with some new plans to poke the silver cartel bear. But let's say I've already done that and well, we'll leave that aside. What sure. are the possibility in case that rare situation that it ever does get overwhelmed? Do you think silver, again, not legal financial advice, but is the profile at least set up that should that happen, is there something that better fits what could be the next Bitcoin? Yeah, no, I think that's, that's a fair question. Uh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think Bitcoin, um, it's shown people what can happen. Like this was uh, you know, a small subsector of the investment community had some Bitcoin. That was it. Uh, but just take a look at some of these returns of, uh, you know, a digital currency, not something you can hold, not something you can touch. And it just goes to show, honestly, in my opinion, the potential of what could happen to silver. It's, it's not unrealistic. It's, I guess, a truer store of wealth, absolutely, in my opinion. And, you know, all the people that jumped on the Bitcoin wagon are, are starting to kind of understand the importance of other assets and, and silver being kind of the closest thing to it, in my opinion, uh, let alone there's so much more uses for silver. So there could be a, a pretty exciting correlation. It just shows kind of the potential of what may happen. And uh, yeah, it, it would be absolutely significant. That's for sure. Yeah, well, I would agree with that. And Alex, you mentioned one of the reasons that some of these things are changing is that you have more access to information. I mean, I remember when I got into this 10 years ago and I was sitting on a trading floor and I'm thinking there's either something dirty going on here or I'm, you know, imagining things. Yet there was only King World News back then where now we have a lot of YouTube channels that are able to cover things like the IMF bragging about dishing out 650 billions of SDRs today. I noticed that didn't seem to be covered on CNBC or some of the traditional muckraking rags, but I mean, is this getting a little insane somewhere? And what do you, are you getting your cut of the SDRs or you're not in that club? You know what? I haven't, unfortunately not. No, I, I have to work like most other people, um, <laughs> which is disappointing, but maybe one day. But no, and man, it's it's frightening uh, how much is being printed and how much is being given away for, I don't know, there's, there's no reason, there's no rhyme or reason behind it. And it's not going to stop. And it's going to be up to, I don't know what that inflection point is, but when it turns, it'll turn hard. And as long as we're ready and we're positioned, um, I think we'll be okay. But you're absolutely right. There's you know, no benefit to us uh, that I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think so. Now, uh, Mrs. Georgieva is hurting <laughs> that uh, voluntarily channeling SDRs from wealthier to poor and more vulnerable. As a student of neurolinguistic programming, I have to point out more vulnerable member countries. Um, reminds me of the old Jim Rogers phrase of foreign aid is taking money from uh, poor people in rich countries and giving it to rich people in poor countries which certainly matches my experience. Although yeah. speaking of that concept, as we touched on a little earlier before, and I thought it would be fun to dig back into now, we have this debt ceiling where, you know, the government's taken a lot of money, yet it doesn't seem like times are so ideal for the people of America. I mean, I'm watching videos up in Portland where it looks like, like world war three going on in the streets it's, it's crazy like uh i'm in vancouver so what am i five six hours away we hear nothing about that 
uh, you know, if it wasn't for friends having, you know, relatives there, I, I wouldn't have heard of this. And it's just crazy the amount of unrest. And all I hear is, you know, Portland's one of the you know fastest growing cities in the U.S. Everyone's moving there for jobs and things like that because it's so great. But in actuality, you know, things aren't aren't positive. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I was pretty stunned. I was in Denver for a couple of years and happened right around the time COVID hit. All of a sudden, downtown was turned into a tent city. Uh, my experience in Austin was quite similar. So you wonder where that money is going. The uh, Biden administration, they were, I think they just set a record for food stamps that are going out, which is not perhaps the type of accomplishment I would aim for as president. Yeah. But in either case, here you have Janet Yellen talking about this debt ceiling, which Again, it's interesting the way you put a comma here, there, and how meaning of something can change. Because well, let's let's dig in here. As I said in my letter to Congress on the 23rd, increasing or suspending the debt limit does not increase government spending, nor does it authorize spending for future budget proposals. <laughs> Simply allows the Treasury to pay for previously enacted expenditures. So, Alex, uh, it sounds like they're saying they already went over their credit card limit. So unless they raise this thing, it's already in default. And I guess uh, if you if they were forced to face the accounting standards that they presented to Enron, who was business partners with the Bush, the gap accounting standards, I would at least to common sense, it would seem as if it's already in default. Any, any thoughts on how, am I reading that right here? Or what do you think? No, that, that's absolutely correct. You know, it, it's, it's one of these things where I, I just, I still don't get it. Uh, I don't see the justification of, of what they're doing and, and how they're doing it. And it's, it's just wild to me, right? You know, you just, you try to, you know, I would expect you'd run a country like you'd run a business, right? And this is not how you'd run a business. You'd be out of business in, in weeks, to be honest. You'd be, you'd be done. Uh, if it wasn't for, you know, them being able to change the laws and the rules on a daily basis, that's the only reason it's still afloat here. Yeah, well, fortunately, Alex, it seems like they resolved any mysteries in the next sentence with this demagoguing Hall of Fame beauty. Failure to meet those obligations would cause irreparable harm to the U.S. economy and the livelihoods of all Americans. Now, all Americans, I mean, there's, there's got to be at least like one or two who are <laughs> Might be okay. by, by that happening, but yeah. you say it would cause the U.S. economy, but I wonder maybe spending the money without having it funded unless you can steal more, maybe that's what would cause the irreparable harm. What, what would you say? I, I think that's that's a fair comment. <laughs> it's much easier to steal uh, from Americans and, you know, just backfill it as you need. Yeah, well, here's the question I have, though, because, you know, again, I'm always trying to find out if they reset it, when would they do it or what clues, um, you know, which I guess is more of a hobby than anything, because in the end, I don't know, as you can actually show you what I have on my desk here. I don't know if people think I'm making it up, but here I am carrying around more silver. There's my five ounce cube. I like that one. I mean, and I think the nice part about silver and, you know, maybe it was good for me to get away from a trading floor and get closer to a beach. It's going to happen when it happens. Now, to the degree it's like a movie and, and it's exciting. Uh, but I keep seeing a lot of dates you know, stuff along the lines of Basel III or new capital controls or transitioning over. I keep seeing things, I'm not 
saying what this implies. I'm just saying I see things where around that September 30th, October 1st, which I've learned October 1st is the start of the U.S. fiscal calendar. Mm. So, and as I heard someone on the YouTube point out or phrase in a certain way the other day, there, I guess maybe that could be the deadline. Now, what if, so they've already spent more than they have and the new fiscal year is coming. And it seems like if the debt ceiling isn't raised, then there's a big problem which gets to the question, will the debt ceiling be raised? Now everybody assumes automatically the answer is yes. Keep in mind 10 years ago, it was such a problem they got downgraded, as you can see here. And I just wonder that in today's culture where we won't get into whether anyone thinks the election was or was not rigged, but to the degree I'm reading stories, uh, where do we have, uh, I think I had it pulled up somewhere here that, okay, here, Arizona 2020 election audit. I've heard even California, that they're even starting the process, that there's a discussion, and it's not just, you know, the right wing, there's actual legislative action happening. Again, not to debate whether who won or didn't win the election, but the people fighting all of these battles have to agree on this debt ceiling. And has there ever been a time for these guys to just implode more than right now. Oh, every day it's getting worse, right? And again, I don't know if it's going to be October 1st that this is going to happen, um, or it's going to be, you know, six months, a year and a half down the road. But you're absolutely correct. It, it's getting to an inflection point here relatively quickly. And I wish I knew the date. Uh, <laughs> I'd be back in, back in the truck up, uh, you know, a couple of days before. Um, so it's, uh, it's just, still crazy to me to see what's happening. They're not stopping. It's just going to continue. And it, I really think it'll come to that inflection point when they won't be able to support it again. And it'll be kind of a groundswell, um, kind of what happened before retail investors and, and people like us, uh, people that are now better educated, it'll be ready to jump on the dime when, when it needs to happen and just bring this back to the forefront and it won't just be, you know, the smaller group, it'll be this much larger group of people. And again, educated investors that kind of come together and then the funds will come in and before you know it, uh, we'll be, we'll be pretty happy. Yeah. I mean, what, what, what would you say if maybe the, the plan is that they're like, all right, you know what, we'll reset the darn thing. Some really big number higher. We'll shut up the silver bugs. They'll be able to go buy an island somewhere. We could call it Arcadia. I mean, most of the world probably wouldn't notice, especially when you see how things, it's just a three-card Monty. I mean, it's bankrupt. Companies go through bankruptcy all the time. Exactly. It's more the conditioning, oh, the U.S. government can't do it, but they've already done it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I completely agree. We, we see it happen. It's happened to cities. It's happened to, you know, things and life goes on. Like it's not just the end of the world. Nothing's going to you know change. It might be you know, a little bit difficult for, you know, these cities and countries to kind of get over the next little while, but life has to continue. The human race is, you know, pretty, pretty strong to say the least and very resilient and things will just continue. And, you know, those of us that have, you know, prepared for it will be, you know, uh, better off but everyone's gonna be fine everything's you know people will eat people will continue to live yeah it just might be that uh the price of electronics is gonna have to be higher if we continue to use them due to the silver issues that you've put into context 
Um, sure. Alex, uh, I'm gonna pull up the gold chart because here is actually August of 2011. So the last time we had, and again, I don't know what this year's debt ceiling were. I think it could be close to that one, but to see, was there any impact started at gold started the month, 1620. I think the fifth was when the U S got downgraded. So basically a $300 rally, which I would assert would have gone higher because that actually, you want to hear a good one, this dive bomb right here occurred, I believe, less than two hours after the Swiss announced that they were going to peg their franc to the euro, essentially devaluing the last alleged safe haven currency. I thought what gold was about to bust through 2000. Instead, it got hammered with paper in the middle of the night, which is what led me to start researching all this. So any thoughts on what happened the last time the debt ceiling, which is not to say that this time was guaranteed to be active, but any thoughts on that chart there? Yeah, no, I actually remember that, that time as well. Um, it was one of these things where, you know, he had all the ducks in a row ready for, you know, this rally that, you know, wasn't going to stop unless some sort of, you know, large economy in the world put a, a damper on it, which they did, which, you know, it's manipulation, obviously, and you've done your research on that. But again, it just goes to show, you know, the similar times and history does repeat itself. It, you know, it's happening in Afghanistan right now where, you know, it was the British first and the Russians and, you know, now, you know, the Americans and kind of NATO and the rest of the world where, um, you know, you see these things and it's going to happen again. And uh, this is a perfect chart to the potential. And, you know, I don't know if it would be the Swiss this time or whoever else trying to put a damper on it, but, you know, they can try. And, but you see it rallied again right after as well. So even if it's a, you know, a little, you know, bit of a hit, it, it continued there for a while. Yes, I would agree. And uh, actually, I was wrong on my chart. Here is the, the night it got pummeled yeah. down in the middle of the night, which, Alex, you mentioned patterns repeat. That was Labor Day weekend of 2011. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How that goes. Although, back to the supply side. And again, yeah. I, you are the chief of Sierra Madre. And I'd love to run a question by you that I got yesterday in uh, one of our chats. Someone was saying that, let's say the price of silver shoots up to $50, $100 or something. Is that going to bring a lot of silver supply online? I would say, yes, it'll bring silver supply online, but you might be waiting a couple of years to get it. And when you think about, or actually you tell me, let's say we did get silver even up to $100 relative to how much silver, okay, we have about a billion ounce supply now. How, how much more would that would that be a substantial amount or and how long would it take? No, it, it would be it wouldn't it would take a long time first off. So great. You have ounces in the ground. There's a value you can associate with that. But actually getting that metal out of the ground in terms of just permitting or increasing production is not easy. Like getting ounces and actually mining silver is not an easy endeavor, uh, to be honest. So obviously there'd be a lot more investment. So people would be able to throw more money at this, but you're still beholden to communities and the workforce and actually building materials and things like that to increase production or to start production from scratch in, in certain circumstances. So you'd see a leg there of probably 18 to 24 months before silver would even start to kind of eat away at that demand. Um, there are probably a few projects out there that you could turn on a little bit quicker, maybe six to nine months, 
but it would be it would be slow. Uh, we've seen it with other sectors as well. I remember, you know, with lithium, there was a, kind of the boom four or five years ago, and everyone saying, you know, uh, these green electric cars are going to take over, and they would have, but there's just no lithium out there. So it was really a slow, slow, steady kind of push, and they're still, you know, really far behind. And same thing would happen with silver. Um, you'd love to see it kind of turned on the next day, but it doesn't happen like that. Uh, it takes a while to, you know, at least, you know, plaque your permits. You need you know, years of environmental studies and you need the right people to pull it out at the same time. Yes, that is the case. And Alex, you mentioned how in your background, you had brokerage experience. Mm -hmm. Now you're running Sierra Madre. So you speak to a lot of investors. And by the way, that's a beautiful uh, photo there. Nice uh, green pyramid in there. Uh yeah. <laughs> no, that's actually the project. It's quite neat. <laughs> Looks similar to where it was staying last week. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, with, with the investors you're talking to, aside from what you're seeing, what, what do you pick up of the tone? You know, and you can break it down into buckets if you like, the diehards, the people new, is new money coming in? What, what are you sensing right now? Um, that's a good question. So getting a lot of people that are, are starting to do research again, as I mentioned. So this ability for the individual investor to do their own research and educate themselves and, you know, phone me out of the blue or other CEOs of other mining companies, just to, just to educate themselves to make a proper decision on, on where they want to invest. So you have, you know, uh, the funds that, you know, kind of come in during the finance and things like that. And they have a set amount of capital that they can invest and they invest in you know, certain deals that they like, but it's, it's the individual retail guy that are, are really starting to come in and to take notice and, and are able to kind of pick where they want to invest. I know when I started Sierra Madre Gold and Silver four years ago, uh, four and a half years ago, there really wasn't much you can invest in. If you wanted some early stage, it could be kind of really high risk, high reward. Um, some that would, you know, you know, get a project, push it forward, push that all the way into production um, where you get those amazing returns, really big delta. Uh, there really wasn't much out there. So that's why we started the company. So uh, we're seeing, I guess, investors that are interested in that and wanting to see something, you know, eventually produce silver and produce metal and, and be able to kind of, you know, take advantage of what's coming in the silver price. Um, those are the types of people that we've been attracting, you know, at least in the, in the company, as we've, you know, we've had a, a number of successes our executive chairman, Greg Liller, he's had seven projects actually become mines, which is unheard of. You know, you see guys do it once or twice, but to do it, uh, you know, seven times is incredible. Uh, but one thing that was always very consistent um, is every one of these large M&As he's had, he's had some for three quarters of a billion US dollars and things like that, is any of the projects were purchased by other companies once they were in production. So it's also really important to have the metal, but also be able to take it out of the ground. And, and that's, you know, kind of the basis of what we're doing is we want production. We're looking for production and we're pushing towards that. Yeah. And Alex, perhaps that would be a good time if you could touch a little bit more on what specifically you guys are doing. Uh, one thing I find is helpful if we consider zero, you're at the beach with your metal detector and 10, yeah. you're in production, putting on that scale so people can understand the profile. And then maybe you could tell us any of the other important highlights. Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned, we're looking for production. Um, we're in an area of uh, Mexico called Nayarit. It's in Western Mexico. Uh, there is a good amount of production there. Um, oh, smaller... oh, oh, Alex. Yeah. You know, I'm in Nayarit. Right I now. do. <laughs> I can see the peak here. 
is uh, not too far north of me. So uh, if you need someone to go guard the silver, I could help. Absolutely. <laughs> it's still on the ground, which is, which is good. So I don't think anybody's moving mountains at this point, but uh, eventually one day. And if you want to come by and check it out anytime, absolutely thrilled that thrilled to have you. Um, so Topeak is where we're focused. Um, again, not far from you. Uh, it's uh, about an hour and a half from Puerto Vallarta. So the infrastructure is amazing. Um, what attracted us to the area is there is production, as I mentioned, there's uh, precious metals facilities, there's a lot of kind of independent private mines, but no one's consolidated the area. So that's really the potential that we have is to uh, acquire a number of projects. Uh, we hope to have kind of 50 to 100 million ounces of silver in the next three to five years, uh, as well as production from two or three points. Uh, we're going to be utilizing kind of like a centralized facility, similar to a hub and spoke mining scenario, uh, something that's modular so that we can, you know, increase production, start with a lower capex, but, you know, add on as various projects come into play. Uh, the first project we acquired is Topeak, it was the one we just saw. Um, well, what I really liked about Topeak are a few things. Um, one in particular is during it, you know, Silver's Peak in you know 2011, actually had a market cap of over 150 million. Uh, but more, more importantly, to spend about 20 million US dollars in the ground. So we have all that information. Uh, they put together a historic resource with over 10 million ounces of silver equivalent. Um, they did a bunch of metallurgical work. Uh, they did a, a number of other resources as well. Uh, one was you know over 18 million ounces, just depending on which cutoff grade you wanted to use. So for us, it, it's an amazing start. It's really a project that we're very high on. We feel it's going to be you know a good base for that uh, production scenario, and a, a lot should hopefully come from Topeak. Uh, we've been working at it pretty aggressively here. We just finished a 20-hole drill campaign just to kind of re-up that historic resource. And we're going to be diving into a much larger drill campaign, hopefully up to close to 200 holes uh, from you know when the rainy season stops, uh, kind of end of September, all the way through to the end of the year, and then coming out with a, you know an updated resource report and then getting right into engineering work. So we want to do PEA, and on the back of the PEA, we'll, we'll start to look at production if all the numbers and everything work out well. Uh, also, at the same time, uh, we are very active in acquiring other projects. Uh, we picked up a, a project about a month and a half ago uh, called La Tigra. It's about 140 kilometers from Topeak. So fits in really well that kind of hub and smoke scenario where we could have production from various sources in a centralized area. So we're not beholden to kind of land issues or, you know, building on the side of a mountain. We can find a, a nice, you know, centralized area. Um, La Tigra has actually been in production kind of off and on since the 1900s. Uh, it is pretty spectacular. Um, it's very small scale production right now. Kind of some small Gamacino families that are, are mining there and we'll be working with them already, uh, which is great. Uh, it's never seen a drill hole. This thing is uh, pretty spectacular. I know our geologists are uh, really quite excited about it. Uh, it's been housed in a major um, for the last you know, 27 years, so it hasn't really seen the light of day. So where you've started topography work, we just sent in a few hundred samples, and we're going to be hopefully drilling that really, really shortly here as well, uh, kind of in October. And it'll be the first time this project, uh, which you know has historic numbers of you know 10 grams gold and over 300 grams silver uh, production numbers, which is really quite high, which is great. Um, so we'll be drilling that here before the end of the year as well. So we have two really exciting projects with a bunch of news flow that's uh, hopefully not going to stop. Yeah, well, especially I love your timeline there in October. Again, we'll see what happens with yeah. the silver price. And Alex, since I believe you are going to be able to make it down here for Silverfest, is uh, and we can talk about that more another time, but perhaps 
maybe if people are sticking around a day or two later, it might even be possible for them to come see the site. Oh, 100%. We would love that. It's super easy to get to, uh, depending on traffic. And you can do it in about 45 minutes, but uh, we'll, we'll budget maybe an hour and a half. Mexican <laughs> time, as I've learned, which, yeah. you know, is is probably a really good thing for a former East Coaster who's learning to uh, mellow out and relax. But uh, yeah, I'd love to see it. And uh, I think, I know Jorge from Arena is doing a mind tour and Absolutely. Yeah. So Jorge is on our board as well. So, and I'm on the board of Reina. So Jorge and I work together quite closely. He's obviously from uh, Mexico city and he's been on your show a few times. So it's yeah, absolutely. So it will be kind of uh, two opportunities for people if they're interested. Um, Yeah. We'd love to have everyone. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, I'll sure be looking forward to it. And I mean, that's really the point of the whole Silverfest thing to get people together just so they can meet each other. Not, it's not gonna be as much conference room more, Let's talk about bond yields or silver if we have to do it in the pool while there's free silver coins flying everywhere. So um, we'll be looking forward to seeing you there. Uh, will you be here before then? Uh, or uh, when, when are you going to be coming down? Yeah, I'll come before. I'm actually headed to Mexico City um, in a week and a half, uh, meeting with a couple of these groups. Uh, we are looking at other projects, so uh, do, do pay attention to that. And then I'll be uh, I'll be down in Topeka kind of the last week of October and into November. And then our chairman, Greg Lillard, is heading down in, uh, I think, about 10 days as well. So, uh, yeah, I'll make sure he drops by to say hello. Cool. I'll be looking forward to that. And Alex, perhaps last thing before we wrap up, anything else you feel people should know about Sierra Madre, Silver, and also how they can, uh, if they want to get more information, the details, uh, what's the best way to contact you guys? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so easiest way is probably through our website. You just Google Sierra Madre Gold and Silver, uh, will come up. Uh, easy enough. And then if you go to contact, an investor goes to me and that's actually my cell phone number. So if anyone does want to give me a call anytime, I'm, I'm happy to chat. Uh, I'm around. Uh, I guess the last few things is we have uh, over 12 million in cash right now in the bank. So we were, we are well capitalized. Uh, we have some strong institutional support. So people that do follow us and when we, if and when we do need more capital, it's, it's usually a good sign. It means things are progressing and you're moving on to the next stage. We have those people behind us. Uh, I myself, I'm a larger shareholder. Um, I've I think, invested close to $800,000 personally um, into this with my family. Um, management and founders, we own still 40% of the company. So it gives you an idea of how much at stake we, we've put in and how much we believe in and what we're doing. And uh, yeah, if people have any questions or would like to you know, join us on this journey, that'd be great. If not, uh, yeah, happy to chat silver absolutely anytime. Well, I sure appreciate that, Alex. Again, I've mentioned this many times. That's really has become one of my favorite parts of silver where it's like, all right, we see the president fed. You can never get an answer yet. People don't have to guess and don't get your questions answered. Have your financial advisor, whoever call and, uh, you know, decide if it's a right fit for you, but appreciate you being available. And uh, I will look forward to seeing you down here in Mexico soon. And thanks for being on the show today. Awesome. It was a pleasure. It was a lot of fun, Chris. I really appreciate it. All right. And we are clear, sir. Awesome.